sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. Today, as we are in the studio, is the International Day commemorating the victims of acts of violence based on religion or belief. I didn't even know there was such a day until I was invited to uh, participate in a Zoom webinar. And the moderator of this webinar is our guest today. Sabrina Dent serves as Senior Faith Advisor for Americans United for Separation of Church and State. Sabrina, it's really a pleasure to have you on Freedom's Ring today. Alan, thank you for having me. It's it's an honor to be here and to really um, talk about this topic, which is so important. So thank you for having me. Well, so first off, tell me about this program that you've put together and the organization that's sponsoring it. Absolutely. So um, this program is to commemorate, as you stated, the International Day commemorated the victims of acts of violence based on religion and belief, uh, which was recognized by the U.N. General Assembly on August 22nd, 2019. So we're actually recognizing it um, a few days early. But um, the Rumi Forum, which is an organization that does incredible work about educating uh, the public about these issues, uh, whether it's about religious freedom, issues in Turkey, or issues that we could talk about domestically, um, they've been doing educational programs for a very long time. And so Dr. Mehmet um, Sarakloku reached out to me and said, hey, I know the work that you're doing at the Religious Freedom Center and then what you're doing at AU. And I would like to know if we could talk about communities that have been impacted by religious violence. And so we were very intentional about reaching out to communities and individuals that can weigh in on this conversation. And also, to some extent, Alan, really broadening how people think about it. So um internationally, as you know, well, I'll start by saying domestically, right? We know that everyone has the right to uh, religious freedom as guaranteed by the First Amendment in the U.S. Constitution. And so, but internationally, there is also the AU Declaration of Human Rights, specifically in Article 18, which states that everyone has the right to the freedom of thought, conscience and religion, and that this right includes their freedom to change um, his or her uh, religion or belief and the freedom either alone or in community, and they can do so publicly or privately. And they also have the right to manifest their religion or belief in teaching practice, worship and observance. Um, So so this is a right that's recognized in the United Nations Charter, but it's also breached very much so by many, many countries. So really what I want to take a look at, because I'm quite sure that, um, you know, our listeners, we hear about acts of violence, about houses of worship, you know, being attacked or, you know, maybe swastikas being painted on a synagogue or a church being burned. But it doesn't really, it's like, it's noise. Mm -hmm. You know, it's hard to understand, well, how big a problem is this? Uh, And we Christians, I think, hear a lot more about persecution of believers in other countries and much less about just, well, violence 
generally, especially violence against people of other faiths. Mm-hmm. So maybe start, how large a problem is this problem of violence based on religion or belief? Right. It's a major problem. So one of the things that you mentioned is that it's in writing, right? But it's continuously violated. Uh, what happens on the ground? So I often say that there is like the policy, the things that are happening on the higher level, and then there's actually the things that are happening on the ground. And we also recognize that many times there are governments that are involved in this. Um, so it's it's a real big problem. A couple of um, last year, I attended a program, well, I think it was earlier this year, um, for Holocaust Remembrance Day, where there were many different uh, communities um, that came together. So you had the Yazidis that were talking about their experiences. You had Christians um, in an international scope that talked about their perspectives. But also people don't think about um, individuals that uh, like Baha'is that are often persecuted. And although some people might have challenges with what I'm about to say, Scientologists that are also persecuted for their religious beliefs as well. So we have to think about this. And the way I think about religious freedom is very broadly. So that's also talking about communities that that I would say are religious minorities, right? So you're talking about, in some cases, free thinkers, secular humanists. You're also talking about Wiccans and how they're impacted by it. But one of the things that we rarely talk about, which we're highlighting the program tonight, is we talk about the experiences of people of color. So for me, like when I think about religious freedom violations, I also think about what happened in Charleston in 2015. So people might say that this is just um, a racially motivated issue. But it was a racially motivated situation that happened that targeted people of faith who were practicing their religion um, in their house of worship. So we have to reimagine how we're thinking about victims of religious violence, um, which is in many cases domestic terrorism. Um, It's also a matter of thinking about how, you know, how in the United States, uh, how some people say, you know, that their religious group is being targeted, um, but yet at the same time, they try to hold um, hold back the rights and the freedoms of people that um, ascribe to other religions or belief systems. So it's a big issue. I think you're bringing out a really important point, because as I think about some of the really big ticket items when it comes to persecution, when it comes to violence, it's not just religion. It really is ethnic and racial differences, right? Mm -hmm. I see that in my law practice that frequently the people who suffer religious discrimination are ethnic minorities. They're Latinos or they're African-Americans. Because of their ethnicity, they would be treated with less respect anyway. I know there's a program coming up uh, that the the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom is doing about the Rohingya in Burma, Mm -hmm. and they are an ethnic and religious minority. Uh, The concentration camps in China with the Uyghur Muslims, Mm -hmm. again, they're both an ethnic and a religious minority. So when you bring the race thing into it, I can really see that, yeah, if we, if we take another hard look at what's going on around the globe, it's more than just religious differences. We, we're separating out the us and them. And it's not just in this neat pigeonhole called you believe differently, right. but, you know, you're different. And so we treat you differently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
which is why in the work that I do, I'm very, um, I'm very focused on emphasizing and asking the question, who's right to religious freedom? Who's right to freedom of conscience and belief, right? So when you look at cases, whether it's internationally or even it's domestically, I think it's important to look at all the intersectional issues and identities that a person might um, ascribe to or possess um, when it comes to their particular cases that may come up. And so, I mean, this is, again, why we have to re-examine these issues. And so, like tonight with the program that we're um, presenting, we have um, our presenter are Richard Fulton, who is a fellow with the Religious Freedom Center and the Freedom Forum, but he was formerly the director of the National and Legislative Affairs for the American Jewish Committee. Um, I'm sure Richard has a lot to share about his own experiences, as well as the experiences that have happened um, internationally and domestically around the Jewish community. But uh, um, we also have um, Kirsten Lavery, who is the supervisory policy analyst with the United States Commission for International Religious Freedom. So for her to focus on, and she's more of the expert than I am on religious issues around the world or religious-based violence, but she's going to speak to that in tonight's program. Um, but also uh, Reverend William H. Lamar, um, who is the pastor of the historic AME Church in Washington, D.C. And I think it's important for people to recognize, like one, to connect it back to uh, what I mentioned earlier about the Charleston Nine and the shooting that happened um, June of 2015. But to also think about this is that the founder of the AME church was an, was an enslaved African at one point. So there's there are layers of things that have to be um, discussed and uncovered when we have these conversations about religious freedom, freedom of belief, and these acts of violence. Um, and then even when you think about this, um, the lack of understanding that some people have about different religions also in Incites additional violence. So I think about the first Sikh American who was uh, murdered, Babir Singh Sodi, um, a Sikh American who was murdered right after 9 11 because he presented the image of a Muslim person, which I will say this, I'm not suggesting any type of violence against anyone, but people need to have a better understanding about, one, religions, world religions, have respect for everyone's right to practice their belief or not to have belief at all. But also at the common core of this is human dignity. Right. Well, if we all understood our own faith tradition, right, because certainly you know, Christianity is still the dominant faith tradition here in the United States, and yet so many of us who are Christians tend to, you know, not treat people of other faiths with the full dignity and respect that they're entitled to. Well, you wanted to reserve at least some time to share some action steps that listeners can take to understand another's perspective, and I want to make sure you have some time to do that. Oh, absolutely. Um, beyond engaging in dialogue with someone that has a different perspective from your own, what I would actually recommend is that people um, engage with Americans United and the work that we're doing. So Americans United is actually hosting a National Advocacy Summit on September 14th and 15th. And this gives an opportunity for people to actually learn, advocate and build movement for, for understanding the critical importance of the separation of religion and government. 
but also to have the tools and the resources that they need to be active in their communities. Um, I also encourage people to ask questions um, and have really a healthy sense of curiosity about different religions um, and different beliefs and to really pay attention to what's happening around the world. I think that is something that, you know, USERF puts out a report about um, religious violence. I think it's important to do that and to engage um, and also to seek out resources and other organizations that are doing work. One of which I just came off of a program that I'm doing for the National Advocacy Summit, where we featured Amanda Tyler for uh, with the BJC, the Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty. And so they're leading an effort uh, that's called Christians Against Christian Nationalism. So what does it mean to like reimagine? What does it mean to be an American? It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be Christian. It means that, you know, you have the right to these freedoms. And so I encourage people to, again, go to the AU website, au.org. We have lots of opportunities for you to engage. If there are any religious leaders that are listening, we do have a Faith Leaders United list where you can join our email listing and find opportunities to really plug in and take action steps. Because it's one thing, Alan, for people to learn information and just hold on to that information. It's another thing to actually take the next steps to mobilize, to address the issues of religious violence, religious discrimination in this country and abroad. Amen to that. It seems to me that one of the things that would be really helpful on the local level is for clergy and elders to reach out across religious boundaries to congregations that are different from theirs. Particularly, I'm not just talking about like Methodists reaching out to Baptists or something like that, but you know, find a group of Sikhs or find the Muslim, the mosque in your community, find the synagogue and find some activities, maybe some service projects that you can do together. Get acquainted, not with an effort to proselytize, but just, you know, to break down walls. Because I think breaking down those walls is how we overcome intolerance and really how we prevent violence. I appreciate your giving a plug and and the work that you're doing there. It's been a pleasure. We are out of time. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring.